Hey, welcome. We um, are an exciting part of the year because uh, we've just just finished our series on Mark, um, and we've got one week till Christmas, uh, and and we've got this week here, which means that we get to go topical for a week. One week till sorry, one week till Advent. Thanks, sorry, one week till Advent. One week to Advent, which means we're going to go topical with this week, which is great, um, because it means I can I can take us wherever we want to, but it's also slightly terrifying because it's where do you take us? Because we can go wherever we want to. It's kind of a a, a double-edged sword a little bit. So I thought, um, what better place uh, to to take us than to look at, at my life and something that that God's been really challenging me and impressing on me, and say, hey, let's start there, um, and then and then pass that on to you guys as an encouragement for you then to take um, and stew and, and, and wrestle with um, as well. Sound like a sound like a plan? You reckon we can we can manage that manage that tonight? Fantastic, good. Part of my role here um, at, at church is, is leading the youth team, and, and we have the opportunity to do uh, kind of fortnightly leadership training nights with them, which is, which is a great joy. We had Ollie, our, our campus pastor, with us uh, two weeks ago, a week and a, week and a half ago, um, and he was running us through a session. The session went for an hour, and Ollie asked two questions. I thought, man, like, what a great session. Two questions for an hour. Anyway, they were great questions. We're actually going to start, um, start with them tonight, and, and that was the start of this journey that I've, I've been going on. So if you've got uh, paper and pen with you or, if you, or if you've got a phone and want to take some notes, but by all means, feel free to do that. Um, otherwise, think through the answers in your head as I ask these questions. But first, first question is this. What are the things in your life right now what are the things you're facing in, in your circumstances right now that are causing you pressure? What are things right now that you're facing that are causing you anxiety, stress, pressure, concern? What are things that are causing you pressure? It's kind of right, ironic when I was uh, given this. I was scribbling down thoughts and, and Ollie said, you've only got like 30 seconds. And I'm scribbling away, and I'm going, man, this is causing me pressure. But, but yeah, plenty of things floods my mind straight away. What's, what's, causing, what's causing you pressure? And what we're going to do tonight, this is kind of the outer layer of, of an onion. And, and I want us together to go on this journey where we drill down deeper into the, the innermost part of the onion. We kind of peel back layers of an onion, right? For some of us, that's going to be incredibly painful. Some of us might end up crying. That's okay. That's what happens when you peel open an onion. But we, we're going to drill into the core of an onion and see what, what is actually in, inside of us, fundamentally, that's, that's causing this pressure. Where's this, where's this pressure coming from? So question one, you with me? What's, what's causing, you, causing you pressure? Question two is, is why are you experiencing this pressure? Okay. If you take it a, la- a layer deeper, what's causing you pressure? What's causing you these anxieties? Why? Why are they causing you pressure? And then question three is where is this pressure coming from? Now, why and where are kind of, kind of much of the same question, but, but where is this pressure coming from? Let me give you an example of, of, of what I wrote down. It's actually on, on an A5 sheet in my Bible, my, my scribbly notes, this, this kind of journey that, that I went on. I've got uh, two two situations that I'll that I'll, I'll give examples of. So the first is in the last kind of couple of weeks, we've we've got news at, at my other job workplace that there's there's a possibility of staffing cuts, and and as the the, the rookie rookie employee in that company, um, it's likely that that if there were to be cuts, I'd be the first person cut, and so the prospect is that I'll I'll lose a job. Right, that that was the situation that I wrote down that was causing me pressure. That's the what. 
why was it causing me pressure? I sat there and instantly I thought, why? Well, because I'm going to lose a job. Do you know what I mean? Isn't that reason enough, Aaron, to, to say that it's causing me pressure? Because, because other people are saying to me that, that we, we don't need you anymore. Do you know what I mean? You, you, you're done. Why is it causing me pressure? Of course, it's, it's natural. But I sat with that answer and I thought, that, that really doesn't cut it enough for me. There, there's actually a deeper layer of this onion here that we, we really need to, to go to, that, that I really needed to go to. And the key was found not in looking out at, at them. Yeah, what, what are they doing to me? What are they saying about me? But, but looking in at me. What's going on inside of me that's causing me this, this pressure to experience and feel this, this stress, this concern, this anxiety? What's, what's going on within me that, that's, that's eliciting this response when I hear this news? That was the question that, that I posed to myself, and that would, that would be the question that, if I had to frame it, that I'd, I'd pose to us tonight. What, what are the things going on internally that give rise to pressure externally? Because I've, I've found that as I've gone on this kind of journey of, of exploring this idea is, is we, pressure actually, actually is fundamentally something born within us. It's not something external. We, we often point to the external because that's the trigger. That's where it starts. That's where it's, 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 it's kind of given rise to. It sets us off, but it's actually something going on within, within us. How can I know that? Let me, let me give you a, a sporting example. We've got two people, okay? These can be two, two, two twins, all right? They go out onto a sporting field. It's grand final day. There's, there's a crowd of 200 people, a big crowd there, right? Grand final day, they're both, both on opposite sides of the wing against the same opposition team. The external circumstances are about as identical as you can get for these two players. Same opposition, same field, same weather, same crowd, same grand final. You know what I mean? So the, the external triggers are exactly the same of, of what they're facing. What's, what's the difference then? The difference is something that's going on within them that's causing them to interpret this, this situation differently. So take, for example, person one goes out and he's kind of the, the cool and tough guy and he walks out like this and he's like, this is great, grand final day. Like, I get a chance to show off my skills. You know I mean, I get a chance for, for, for my glory to be shown and I can, I can do this. And he has a whiff of confidence and he goes out and he kicks five goals and he thinks, this is the best day ever, right? On the other side, you've got the person just on the other side of the field, same external circumstances. And this is the person maybe with a, a little less self-confidence, and he goes, oh, what if, I, what if I do a bad kick? What if, I mess, what if the crowd laughs at me? Like, what if I, I miss the match-winning goal? And he, he has a horrible day. He just doesn't enjoy it at all. He kind of fumbles his way through, gets a spray from the coach at halftime. Yeah. Same, same skill set, same, same positions, very similar external circumstances, and yet something within them has triggered these different responses. One of kind of this much, oh, I've got this, and one of this, oh, what if I don't got this? See, see how that works? And so same is, same is true with, with pressure or with, or with stress and anxiety. These things are triggered from external circumstances. They, they get set off from something external. Something happens to us, something is said to us externally, but it's actually something within our onion core, as it were, that, that is the, the, the fundamental issue. So what, what is that? Have you got some thoughts on, on your what? Have you got some thoughts on, on your why? Have you got some thoughts on your where? Where is it coming from? It's coming from deep in here, and, and, and what is that? For me, and I would suggest yeah, for, for many of us, if we were uh, brave enough to actually uh, refuse to point the finger externally and, and point the blame out, 
out, out there and actually look in, what I found when I did that was, was I, I was really grappling with this idea of control. Control. And this, this idea of, of, of being outside of control and just craving for control of a situation. Take my, take my situation at work, right? What was, what was the underlying problem there? What was causing me, me pressure there? It, it wasn't that I was going to lose a job and thus lose some, some financial income. Do you know what I mean? We, we can deal with that. We, we can get over that. It wasn't that I was suddenly going to lose being able to see my work friends and, and, and be... No, I can hang out with them outside of work. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I can deal with that. I can get over that. What was really you know, getting to my head and, and causing me to, to stay up at night and, and just to think about it and think about it and think about it and, and to go through work kind of nervous, do I do something wrong? I don't want to do anything wrong. Was, was the idea of the unknown, that, that my employment at this company was completely outside of my control. Yeah, one day, they may come to me. I don't know when, I don't know what, I don't know how, I don't know why, and they'll say, well, you, you're done. Thanks, thanks for, so, for what you've done here, and we have no, no need for you anymore. We don't have a space for you. And that was completely outside of my control. And, and the greatest problem for me wasn't that I really loved working there. Well, I, could, I could find another job. It was that there was no control that I had over this situation. I really wanted control. I had no understanding what was going on in those, in those meetings with the, with the big boss people that wear the big fancy suits. Yeah, none, of that, none of that was, was fed down to me. And it was this uncertainty, this change, this, you know, this feeling of unrest in the air. You, you could almost sense it tangibly. And that was, that was really getting me. Because that was, that was pricking at, at me, an organized and structured and planned person. That was pricking at my, my desire for, for control. I wonder if you've got a circumstance uh, like that that you, you could relate to. It might not, might not quite be as big as that. It might be, you know, I, I used the example this morning of uh, your wife is cutting up the vegetables. and She cuts the carrots long ways. And you think, why are you cutting the carrots long ways? They need to be cut this way. Like, honestly, like it cooks quicker. It's so much better. They're circular. They look much nicer. Yeah, you, you might have had a circumstance like that. Just, oh, no, you meant, you meant to sweep this way, not that way. Little, little insy-bitsy things. Yeah? What, what is it that causes us this kind of, oh, I don't like the way that's happening? It's control. It's fundamentally a desire for control. If we, if we strip it back, it, it, as funny as it sounds, these, these circumstances are moments where we're craving to have control of a situation. Let's look um, together. We're going to look at, at the life of Jesus. We're going to look at two kind of accounts of him, one at the beginning of his, his earthly ministry and one, one right at the end. We're going to look at these accounts and, and look at, at, at someone who was baited and tempted. Jesus, take control, essentially, is the summary of of what's going on in these two passages. So why don't you, you grab your Bibles open? They'll be up on, up on the screen, screen for you shortly. Luke chapter 4, verse, verse 5 to 7. I'll give you some context whilst you find it. Jesus has been in the wilderness for 40 days. Now, if you love camping, you know, I'm, sure, I'm sure you'll know that after about a week, you get sick of camping, right? You can only take so much camping. 40 days in the wilderness is a really long time. And um, I really like food, and 40 days without food, I, I wouldn't do it. I, I can't do 40 hours sometimes, let alone 40 minutes, as my mother will, will gladly tell you. Luke chapter 4, I hope you, f- hope you found it. The devil, uh, verse, verse 5, the devil led him, Jesus, up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I'll give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. 
if you worship me, it will all be yours. Satan's saying here, the world is mine, Jesus. I've, I have control over it. I, I, I get to decide people. I can manipulate people. I can, I can say to people what I want to say to people. And I can give that control to you. All you've got to do is worship me. I can give that control. Suddenly you'll have all the possessions you'll need. You'll have all the wealth you need. You'll have all the people power that you need. You'll have people, people liking you. Yeah, no one's going to crucify you, Jesus. You can have it all. You can be the center. You can dictate the terms of how things get to be. You can make rules about how carrots are meant to be cut. Do you, mean you, can, you can decide all these things. You don't have to worry about that, that anymore. All you have to do is worship me. You can call the shots and you can have control. In verse 8, Jesus answers, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Satan and Jesus here reflect about this idea that, that others can bait us to take control. Like a, like a fish with a, uh, with a fishing line, they, they can bait the control out there, but it's up to the fish to bite. Jesus doesn't bite. He says, no, worship God, worship him alone, serve him only. That's, that's all I'm here to do. Satan, Satan puts the bait of control out there, but it's up to us to bite. It's time we, we as, as a church and, and as individuals, Stop kind of going, no, 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 it's, it's, it's that person's fault or it's this situation's fault or, or that's, that's where the real problem lies, that's the crisis, that's, that's the issue here. And rather than looking out, we actually first, first look in and we go, God, what, what is it within me? What is it that's going on in, in my life that, that I'm trying to control and that I need to go, no, enough's enough. I want to surrender that over to you, relinquish that, that control over you. It really starts, starts with us. Because we necessarily can't control external circumstances. We can't necessarily control external events and what's, what's going on outside of us. But we can control us. And so that's where the, the prayer starts. God change us. God, God mold us. God transform me. God position me in a place where, as we just sung before, I surrender all. You can have it all. Have it all. Help me, help me to relinquish it. As a church, we've been looking at this idea of, of learning to walk on earth as we're known in heaven. That's, that's kind of been our catch cry for the last two years as we've, we've walked through Mark, learning to walk on earth as we're known in heaven. And this is a great place to, to start that. In heaven, we're going to be in a space in which worship God, follow him. That's all we do. It's great. It's, it's, so what, what would it look like for us now to, to start to walk on that journey? It would look like a, a group of people saying, we don't want control anymore. We want to relinquish that control to you, God. I think it's a great, a great and fitting response to our, to our series that you've, you've just looked at. So that's the start of, of Jesus' life and ministry. Let's, let's jump now into to the, to the Gospel of Mark, actually. Mark 15. Have a look at a, a situation that happened at the end of his, his ministry, once again, the same, the same bait of take control, Jesus. Choose your way. Don't, don't follow the Father. Don't submit to him. Just, just do something for yourself. Mark chapter 15, verse 29 to, to 32. Jesus was on the cross, and those who passed by hurled their insults at him, shaking their head and saying, So you, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, Come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, 
this King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Jesus' greatest moment of, of, of agony, physical, physical torment, his greatest moment of suffering, humanly speaking, the moment in which we would justifiably say, yeah, yeah no, that's, that's, that's enough where you can take control now, Jesus. You, you've kind of, you've half, half been crucified. Yeah, come down and, and, and just get on, get on with life. Yeah, you don't have to go through that pain. It's, it's not worth it. That's what they're saying to him. Come down from your cross. Take control of the situation. Don't, don't submit to the Father. Don't, don't follow what he wants you to do. Look out for your, yourself for once and, and take control. And how does Jesus respond to these, these taunts and, and these, these challenges? Luke 23, verse 46 says, says this. I want, you to, I want you to picture Jesus on, on, on the cross, these insults being hurled at him, accusations being thrown at him. They're saying, take control, take control. And he stands there and he goes, Father, in, into your hands I commit my spirit. Into your hands I entrust my spirit. I'm, tr- I'm trusting in you. I'm following in you. I'm staying true to you. I'm willing to release control of, of my life totally, even to the point of death. You can have it all. You can have it all, Lord. I'm holding nothing back. The temptation of Jesus in the wilderness and the temptation of Jesus on the cross to, to take control give us great examples of of our Lord to follow. As Christians, as, as followers of, of Christ, we, we have the same example set for us to say, let's, let's live in line with that. Let's learn what it means more and more to, to walk out a life that says, I'm relinquishing control to my Father. We're going to jump into a passage in, in the Gospel of Luke, Luke 14. This is quite a, a, strong, a strong passage, but a beautiful passage. Luke 14, verse, verse 25 to, to 33. I wonder as I read, what, what kind of stands out to you as, as I go through? Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brother and sisters, yet even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundations and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, the person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose the king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000. If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the others are still a long way off and ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, everything you have cannot be my disciples. It's a, uh, it's a pretty, pretty strong, strong passage, isn't it? This was, this was the passage that, that, that really struck me, those that training night a, a couple of weeks back. Let me, let me walk you, you through it. Three kind of quick observations that, that build on, on each other. The first idea is, is Jesus calling for this idea of you know, hate and, and you're kind of going, what's going on there? I thought we're all about love. And absolutely. 
Absolutely. What, what's going on here is Jesus is saying, I, I want you as, as my followers to hate everything else in comparison to how much you love me. One author kind of put it as this. He talks about first loves and, and second loves, primary loves and, and secondary loves. I want your love for your, your mother, your father, your siblings, your children, your, your, your wife, even, even yourself. I want, I want that love to be as an overflow from your love for me. As you experience love, we love because he first loves us. As we experience the love of Christ, I, I want that to be an overflow into your love for other people. Because that's the kind of love that when push comes to shove and those kind of people let you down, if it's an overflow of the love of God, that, that kind of love stays true. So that's the, the first observation to make here. The second is this, this statement. And I wonder if you picked this up and kind of caught yourself double reading it for a second. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. This is how Jesus defines discipleship. Whoever, cannot, whoever does not pick up their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. It's an, an all-in statement that Jesus is calling for. He's saying there's no middle ground. I want, I want all of you. I want you to throw all, all of you in. Why, why is that? This kind of a picture to explain, a picture carrying a cross, right? You've got the cross beams and, and the big beam going down the back. And if you're walking carrying the cross following Jesus and you want to have your hands on control at the same time, those two things can't work together. It takes two hands to carry a cross. It takes all of you to carry a cross and to follow Jesus. The moment we look to, to control a situation, we've taken our hands off the cross and, and the cross drops. Whoever wants to be my disciple must must carry their cross. You can't hold anything else and, and take up to the cross to, to, to follow Jesus. It's a pretty, a pretty high, high price that he, he puts on it. It's a pretty high and re remarkable call. And so the question is, what, what do we do with that? How do, we, how do we filter that? How do we understand that? Unfortunately, the passage gives us an, an indication. He says, estimate the cost. Count the cost. The cost, is, the cost is really high. It's all of you. So count the cost. He gives two examples of, of the builder. If you're going to do a building, you don't just start going, here's some bricks that we got from Bunnings and throw them on the ground. Yeah, you, you, you plan it. You work out the cost. You, you estimate the cost. Is it worth it to go through with this building? Is it worth it? Same is true of a king. He goes, man, I've got lives on the line here. When we go out to pe battle, pe people, people will die. Is this, is this sacrifice worth it? Is it worth, worth the cost? Or to put it in more kind of colloquial terms, I want you to imagine going into to Kmart and you, and you put on a, a T-shirt that you find there. It's this, this nice uh, green T-shirt and it's got this cool font on it and it's, and it's your size and you're looking there in the mirror and you're going, this is a great T-shirt. And the price tag says $15. The difference between you liking that T-shirt and trying it on the shops and you walking out of the shop having bought that T-shirt is, is one question that you'll, you'll intrinsically ask yourself. Is this worth the cost? Is it worth the cost? If it is, you buy the T-shirt. If it's not, you don't buy the T-shirt. Yeah? Is it worth the cost? It's exactly what Jesus is saying here. Am I worth the cost? Am I worthy of the cost? The, the cost is high. The cost is, is all of you. It's all or nothing. You either have the T-shirt or you don't have the T-shirt. You can't kind of middle ground it. He makes it very clear. The cost is very high, but am I worth it? 
Is Jesus worth the cost? Is Jesus worth us carrying our cross? Is Jesus worth relinquishing control? Is Jesus worth it all? Is he worthy? I wonder in your heart of hearts, what, what would you say to answer that question? What would you say? When I uh, kind of grappled with this, and, and, and day after day, a situation comes up where I have to ask myself this question again, is he, is he worthy? Is he, is he really worth it? I explore the biblical narrative, Gospels like Mark that we've been looking at, and, and, and chapters particularly in Revelation are huge for me. As I explore who the Bible says Jesus is, I come to the answer, absolutely he is. Absolutely he's worth it. Yeah, totally. When, when you read the Bible, you go, yes, he, he's worth it of, of it all. And, and that day, it's, God, I want to I carry my cross. And, and you, start, you start walking, you're like, this is good. Yes, Lord, I'm going to follow you where, wherever you want me to go. And then something comes over here and someone says something in the external that triggers the, the internal. That, that's how it works. And someone says something over here and you go, oh, that grinds me a little bit. I want to take control, but, but no, 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 no. You're worthy, God. I'm going to carry my cross. I'm going to carry my cross. And you keep, keep carrying a cross. Then something else slightly bigger comes over here and it's kind of, whew, that's a big price to lay down. But, but no, carry my cross. Follow Jesus. All in. All in. But I think in, in all of us, and I've had moments, moments this week where I've even realized this in myself, we have what, what I call a cost threshold, a point where we draw the line in the sand and we go, nah, uh, 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 that, that, no, nah, no, no, that's, that's not okay. And we, and we go, the, the, the carrots need to be cut this way. Yeah? It's obviously going to be something a lot bigger for, for us, but, but that's our cost threshold. That's the moment where we go, no, this is okay, not, not okay, and we, we seize control of the situation, and in doing so, we drop the cross. It's the cross or it's control. You can't, you can't have, have the two. They both, both don't happen. We, we seize control. And I guess the statement we have then when we're looking at that, when we're looking at this line that we like to draw in the sand, and, and I would suggest we all have it. I know I have it. I have different areas where I draw the line, and I'm going, God, God, point them out and help me fix them. I don't, I don't want to have them anymore. It's this statement of Jesus have all of me, but. Jesus have all of me, but not that, because that's, that's too high of a cost, and, I, and that's uncomfortable for me. That, that causes me pressure. That's outside. Oh, no, I want to control that area. Jesus have all of me, but. And he's saying here there's, there's no buts. There's no, no exceptions. I want, I want all of you. I want you to learn what it means to live a life in the spirit where you say, no, God, I surrender all. I relinquish control, and I want you to fill that space. Two, two stories briefly from, both from Luke, actually. There you go, both from Luke. The rich young ruler, he comes, comes to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Yeah? I've been following all your commands, just to, to, to paraphrase it. I've been, I've been doing this. I haven't murdered anyone. I haven't, I haven't stolen anything. You know I mean, I've, I've, I've followed God's commands. And Jesus says, one thing you lack, I want you to go sell all your possessions and give it to the poor. Then come follow me. And the rich, rich young ruler, he goes away sad because he has many possessions. Jesus goes, yes, this is great. You've, you've been following the commandments. You haven't murdered anyone. You haven't stolen anything. You haven't done any of these things. But, but you've got a line that you draw in the sand. And if you are to be, to be my disciple, I, I want to address that. I want to deal with that with you. There's a life of freedom on the other side of that where you can relinquish control. And I want you to step into that. My love for you is too great to keep you, keep you in this little boxing area that you've got. 
And he goes, this is what it is. I want you to sell all your possessions. Whether possessions for him meant the, the, the practicalities of, I get a nice house to live in, I get lots of food to live in, I get lots of servants, or whether it was a social status thing, or whether it was just, he liked to have a big bank account. I don't, I don't know, the text doesn't say. But there's something here that Jesus goes, this is your line in the sand, this is the moment where it gets too uncomfortable for you to relinquish control over. Go sell all your possessions and give it to the poor, then come follow me. And he goes away sad. The cost, the cost was too high. Later on in the, in the gospel, Jesus has been seized. He's, he's been taken into the courts of the high priest. And Peter was, was following him. This is, this is Peter who walked on water with Jesus. This is Peter who, who walked the life with Jesus, who heard his teaching, who saw his miracles. This is Peter, right? And people come up to him and they go, you're one of them. You're a disciple of Jesus. And Peter goes, I have no idea what you're talking about. Three times. I, no, 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 no. I don't even know who he is. He denies Jesus. And in that moment, Peter goes, do I carry my cross knowing that, oh, it could get very, very uncomfortable for me. If I associate with the person that they're wanting to crucify and they really don't like, what's that going to mean for me? What's the cost going to be for me? I don't want that. I'm dropping my cross and I'm going for control because if I say I don't know him, there's a whole lot of security in that. I can just sit by the fire, warm my hands and eat some marshmallows. Yeah? It's a much safer place for me to be. And that's the moment where Peter draws his line in the sand and he goes, that cost is, is too high. The cost is too high. Peter, Peter grapples with it. This rich young ruler grapples with it. And I would imagine that we all grapple with it because carrying the cross requires two hands. So what's stopping you from the full pursuit of, of Jesus? What's getting in the way? What's, what's that line that you like to draw in the sand? Can, can you think of circumstances that might trigger that off? And you go, God, what is it, what is it in me that's, that's not allowing you to, to have control? One last, one last example. It was a day a whole lot colder than this was. And, and Bella and I got the chance to go up to the snow. And we went up and we had two toboggans with us. And then we had this great idea of, let's go on one toboggan together. It was a great idea in my head until we sat down. And I sat there at the back of the toboggan, being the, the heavier person to kind of anchor it, anchor it down. And I said, well, you're in the front. You get the reins. You get to steer us wherever you want to. And then before my eyes flashed this, this hypothetical imagination of, what if we start going towards a tree? What if Bella doesn't know how to steer the toboggan and, and suddenly there's a cost I'm about to pay for letting her take the reins of this toboggan? She takes the reins of the toboggan, we're going towards a tree, I'm going to pay a price for that. Or she steers it the other way and, and goes towards the ramp. There was a, a, a bunch of like six and seven-year-olds that were much braver than I were and they build this little jump. And I thought, what if Bella's really ambitious and decides to go for the jump? I'm, I'm no, 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 that's my cost threshold. That's, that's too high, I'm, that's uncomfortable. Or what if at the, the big muddy puddle at the bottom? Yeah, I'm in my nice clothes. They're so comfy. I don't want them wet. There's a really big muddy pile at the bottom. What if Bella decides to go flying into that and then, and then falls off and does a big somersault with the, the toboggan? My imagination went crazy. <laughs> it tends to do that. <laughs> if in any of those moments when we went, went down there, yeah, if... if if I seize control, I'd be taking control of the situation. The same is true when, when following Jesus. If we say, God, you're my Lord, I want you to reign. I want you to reign. Reign, Jesus. Yeah, reign as Lord. And we don't let him take the reins, then 
we're kind of, we're kind of seizing control ourselves. That's when we're taking control and we're not following the life of the cross. For Christ to reign in our lives, we have to let him take the reins of our lives. The good thing, unlike my kind of uh, fantasy imagination, he's a, he's a good director. He knows how to steer a toboggan really well. But the reality is he's got a, a trajectory for our lives that we, we can't, even, can't even imagine. And the reality is he's going to steer us some places if we allow him to take the reins that we might not be very comfortable with. And we might go, oh, I really don't want to go down that part of the slope. That's way too steep for me. That's way out, out of my comfort zone. No, 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 I want control, and, and this is where I'm digging my, my hands into the snow, and we're kind of do it, going, to, going to come to a screeching halt here, Jesus. I'm going to put my anchor down. You can't, you can't sail this, this ship anymore. For Jesus to reign, we have to allow him to take the reins. Chris Tomlin uh, writes a song. Don't freak out, I'm not going to sing it. Chris Tomlin writes a song, and I, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, the first two, lines, first two lines go like this. Do you feel the world is broken? And it's kind of the song where he's got this cool choir and they kind of echo back responses to him. He makes a statement and they echo back. Do you feel the world is broken? And, and the whole choir goes, we do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. And if I were to add a third line to this song, I'd say, do you feel the pressure rise? As we, we wrap up the year as we head towards Christmas, do you feel the pressure rise. I'm sure many of you would say, yep, yep, we do, we do. And in that moment, what do we do? What do we, what do, we do with that? We feel the pressure rise, what, what do we do? Well, Chris fortunately goes on to, to not just leave us there in this place of, yes, we're feeling the pressure, but he answers it with the chorus. He says, is it good that we remind ourselves of this? Absolutely. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll, referring to the, to the Revelation passage? The Lion of Judah who conquered the grave he is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. It's a beautiful picture of, of, of this, this Christ whom we worship. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honour and glory? Is he worthy of this, and if I were to add a line to the chorus, is he worthy of us, of our all? All in, no buts. And the response the song makes, I wonder if it aligns with the, the response that we'd love to make too. He is. He is. He is worthy. He is worthy of this. So the challenge then for us, what would it look like? What would it look like for us as, as individuals who make up a church to say, yes, he is worthy, even worthy of, of the cross. Yes, he is worthy no matter the cost. What would it look like? We've counted the cross and we said, yes, I'm, I'm committed to following Christ. And for us to say, just as Jesus did, Father, into your hands, I'm wanting to entrust my spirit day by day, moment by moment, as the pressures rise and the external situations want to trigger me and want to set me off, I go, no, 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 it, it is well with my soul. There is something within me that I've relinquished control. And you can have that, Father. I'm trusting you as, as the ultimate director of my, my ship to, to reign and to lead me wherever you, wherever you want us to.
Father, day by day, moment by moment, I want to learn what it means to step more and more into the fullness of entrusting my spirit into your hands, no matter the cost, no matter how high. Let me take a moment to, to pray together and, and ponder these ponder these things. Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. What's your line in the sand? What's the moment where the cost is too high? Jesus wants all of you. He wants you to step into this place of, of freedom where you can relinquish control and trust his reins. He's a good director. He knows how to steer a toboggan. How is he calling you to respond? Jesus, I want to thank you. You're the good shepherd. You protect your sheep. You look after your sheep. And as dear Gudrun was reflecting before, you, you kind of throw us sometimes into circumstances where you go, hey, I'm not cut out for that. But, but in faith, we can step into those places and flourish. If we're willing to say, Father, into your hands, I entrust my spirit, no buts. No buts. I don't want any exception to the rule. I don't want to have to draw a line in the sand. I want to learn what it means to be all in. To be in a place where we can reckon to be true that you are worthy. We, we sing it. We know it. We, we want it to, to manifest in our lives, in our actions, in our thoughts, in our behaviours, how we treat other people, that yes, you are worthy of it all. And therefore, we, we are willing to, to let it all go, to carry our cross, to follow you, no matter the cost to relinquish our control? Would you be in each of us, prodding that in, in our thoughts this, this week as we go, in the little things, the little carrot moments, in the big things, the career-changing moments, would, would you be prodding that in us, reminding us of, of that, redirecting us onto the course? Stay strong against the temptation to, to bite the bait, to go, no, you're worthy. You're worthy of following and, you, and your spirit within us empowers us to be in a place where we can follow you. We thank you, Father, for the, the encouragement of these things. Amen. Amen.